Good morning, everyone. As a church, our mission is to help people become and grow into mature disciples of Jesus. We believe a disciple should seek God, belong to a community, serve the world, seek, belong, and serve. Welcome to any guests that are visiting us today, whether in person or online. If this is your first time here physically, we'd like to give you an Oasis coffee mug. If this is the first time you join us online, please let us know by filling out a connection card in the Connect With Us tab on our website at www.celebratethejourney.org. For those of you here, you can find the connection cards on the back table. We don't ask for this information to pester you too much, but to provide you with some important information about Oasis in order to help you decide if this is where God wants you to attend. If you have any questions before you leave today, just ask someone. If they don't know the answer, they will direct you to someone who does. The connection cards can also be used to sign up to receive a weekly email with a link to our newsletter, or you could text the, word, the, text the keyword newsletter to the number on the screen. The email is the best way to keep up to date on all that's what's going on in Oasis. There is a prayer box on the back table to my right. Write down your prayer need on the cards provided and drop it in the, in the box. Each week, we have a dedicated group of people who are committed to praying over these needs. If you would like to be contacted by someone who will pray with you, please provide your name and phone number and someone will reach out to you. For our online folks, you can click on the prayer page tab on our website. Unless otherwise noted, everything written on these cards or online will be held in the strictest of confidence. If you need prayer today, there will be both men and women available after the service to pray with you at the cross. If God has spoken to you about something you heard in the sermon, or if you want need prayers, all are welcome to pray with one of our team members. We gather together for a community prayer here in the sanctuary on the first Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. This is the opportunity to build community as well as experience the power and presence of God together. Our next community prayer is July 6th. We believe supporting the local church through the giving of tithes and off offerings or biblical truths, whether you're here in the sanctuary or sitting at home. If you're here with us, there is a joy box on the back on the wall by the back doors where you could place your tithes and offerings. If you're at home, you can mail your tithes and offerings to the church office or go to the Give tab on our website and set up a one-time and recurring offering amount. The online Bible study of the month from Right Now Media is greater than by Francis Chan. Here's Dennis. Check it out. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah? All right, good. Ah. Perfect. All right, well, so over this, uh, well, let me pray first. Let me shut this off because I'm a little OCD when it comes to batteries. Father, we want to thank you for the love that you have for community, for church, for all the blessings that you just kind of pour out upon us that we take for granted. I pray that we would stop taking for granted um, what you deliver to us, what you give to us. Let us see each blessing for what it is. Let us see each blessing for what it is, Lord, a grace and a mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last couple weeks, I feel as if um, the the topics have been kind of heavy. We started off, I started off kind of working through the book of Daniel in chapter one. And the first, about two weeks ago, it was this idea of um, 
like like the church is being infiltrated by the culture and, and we have to kind of stand firm against that uh, we talked about uh you know the our worldview is being attacked uh what we worship is being attacked as the church and you know the, the little compromises that were asked to be made you know just a little bit here and a little bit there we're just kind of wandering back I, I was just looking um this week uh there was a uh, mainstream media news outlets and they had a panel and they were they were um, they had a panel discussion and in this discussion they were talking about evangelical Christianity and what they said was that evangelical Christianity is now becoming fundamentalists which is dangerous and that we are becoming a moral freak show that's the words that they used a moral freak show and that we cling to conspiracy theories because, and I quote, we are legalistic, anti-intellectual, and anti-science. This was just this past week on a major media news um, station reporting this within the panel. Next I saw uh, the IRS uh, had a ruling, and if you guys, if you want to read about this stuff, there's something called the Christian Post. I don't know if you know about it. It's free online. It, it really, it's a very, I just found it, and, it, and it's pretty good. I recommend it. But anyway, um, the IRS has ruled uh, against a Christian nonprofit organization seeking uh, its nonprofit status, and there was a bunch of different reasons why. But one of the main reasons, and I quote this from the IRS refusal, it said, "The Bible's teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates." And so what they said was there was not enough separation between church and state because of that, and so they denied them their nonprofit status, Christian organization, because they use the Bible. This is, and so that to me, I mean, like I said, I'm a little excited about a little persecution. I think it's good for the church, uh, but um, it feels heavy in the same way. It, there, there's a sense of, of weightiness to, to it. And then last week, we talked just about personal holiness and how, how when we go after the things of God, when we are pressing into the things of God, not in perfection, not like you think you have it all together because nobody has it all together, but when you're pressing into the things of God, there's this thing that takes place within you. It's called holiness because you begin to live separately from what the culture dictates you should live as. And so the more that we press into that, the more influence we have, not only with family and friends around us, but as we saw with, with Daniel, he influenced kings. Which I briefly talked about Billy Graham. Influenced world leaders. Not perfect in any uh, way, shape, sense, but their heart was moving in the direction of holiness. And I, I got to think in this past week, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, yeah, okay, those are truth, and I, and I believe that's what the Lord told me to, to bring to, to our church, but it still felt heavy, and, and I thought, but for God, like, but for God, he's still in charge. And I got that from, from chapter two in Daniel, which I had no um, inclination at the beginning to preach, continue to preach out of Daniel. But when I came to chapter two and I saw what took place, I said, there it is, but for God. So let me give you the story. Let me make sure I'm, I'm on the right track here. Let me give you the story. So chapter two, um, Daniel and his three companions, they're, they're still in captivity. Uh, it's been a bunch of years since they've been in captivity by the time it gets to chapter 2. And Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he's a bit freaked out about this dream. And so he calls in all the magicians and the enchanters and the Chaldeans, and, and, he, and he says this. He goes, all right, my word is firm. I'm going to tell you this. I've had a dream, and I need its interpretation. And so all of these magicians and astrologers, and, and they, they, they say, well, king, um, tell us your dream, and we'll interpret your dream. And the king's like, oh, nay, nay. You tell me the dream, then I'll know you're going to, you can interpret the dream. And so they get a little freaked out, and they say, oh, king, come on now. Just tell us the dream. We'll give the interpretation. And I love the way Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't word it quite this way, but he says, listen, you guys have been blowing smoke up my wazoo for a long time. Now, if you don't tell me what the dream is and its interpretation, I'm going to have you torn to pieces and your house is destroyed. So what is it? Well, 
They say, O king, this is a very difficult thing that you've asked us to do. In fact, no man can tell the king his dream. That's only for the gods, and the gods do not dwell in flesh. So Nebo, he gets a little aggravated, and he says, all right, just kill them all. Just just kill all the wise men, kill all the enchanters, kill all the magicians, kill all the, the, the Chaldeans, just, just wipe them all out. And so um, this guy by the name of Ariok, he goes out, and he looks for Daniel and his three buddies, and they're, they're going to kill him. That's, that's what he's supposed to do. But I love that the scripture says that, that Daniel acted with, with prudence. And so he doesn't get all wigged out that some guy came to just cut him into pieces and his friends. He says, uh, Ariok, what's the rush? Like, what, what's going on? And so he tells him. And then Daniel says, you tell the king that he should see me because I'll give him his interpretation. And then what I find interesting is then Daniel went back to his three friends and told them what was going on. Like he didn't hear from God that he should do that. He just knows who God is from this personal pursuit of God in his life. And so he tells, he tells uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his buddies, he, he tells them, man, we, we got to pray for God's mercy that he reveals it. So we're going to die. And so it says in the story that in, 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 the, in the, the watch of the nights, the mystery was made known to Daniel in a vision. And he goes to the guard, tell the king, I got him covered. And then Daniel goes into this, chapter 2. After he receives the vision from God, he blesses, he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we've asked for, asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So Dan, he, uh, Daniel, he's, he's kind of calm, cool, he's collected, he figures this thing out, he goes to the Lord, they pray probably, I'm thinking all night long, they're pleading for the mercy of God, God shows the vision, Daniel prays in this, but for God, but for God, it would have all went south, Daniel would have been torn to pieces, and his friends, and all the wise men, and all the enchant, everybody would have been killed, and the king would have got a bunch of new people and tried it again but for God. And that's where I believe we are in, in, in the situation the church is in now, Christians are in now. But for God, we'd have no chance in this matter. But for God. Verse 21, he says, he changes times and seasons. But for the power of God, we would be lost but for the power of God. See, God is still the powerful God he was back then, today. It says he removes kings and sets up kings. Ha. Now, we don't know much about kings because we don't have a king, but you don't vote for kings. They kind of take over. Some kings come in and ruin a kingdom and like Nebuchadnezzar did to Israel. But God still sets him up and takes him out at his will. See, he is powerful over kings. Isaiah said it this way. He who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. That's the power of our God. Today, right now, I don't even know what day it is, the 27th of some summer month, God is still this God powerful. Now, what does this have to do with us kings and princes? We don't have any of those. Well, let me just get to the power of God in our context, and some of you aren't going to like it. I don't care. I said that. Okay, good. So, um, the power of God if he disposes and sets up kings, that means he disposes and sets up politicians too. 
And that means that when November 6th or 7th, we woke up, God didn't go, Biden got in? <laughs> what? Jesus, I thought you were handling that. No, see, God is still in power in the government today. Not one person would be sitting in our Congress, in our Senate, in the, in the President's Oval Office unless God said, this is working for my will. That means on the flip side, all you Trump haters, he was God's candidate too because he disposes of kings and he installs them. Yes, we voted, I get it, but God is still in power over all creation, over our government, over our Senate, over our Congress, over state, local authorities. God is still in power, but for God, we would be lost. But we don't have to be lost because he is in control. Still, no matter what, he is in control. That means that every group, every club, every person, no matter what they believe, no ma if they reject that there is a God, if they believe in a different, it doesn't matter, God is still in power over them. Still, w w without question, they think they might have escaped him. There is no place that we can run and hide from God. Why? Because he is all-powerful all-powerful he is it when it feels like it's out of control he's in control when it feels like his will is just being kicked to the curb his will is being fleshed out in our very time and space and in our in our purview the will of god is being manifest even among the 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 tension that the church is beginning to feel because we're anti-intellectual and anti-science and a moral freak show god is still in charge And, and, and with this with this command that God is in charge um, there, there's this saying that we float in the church and, and it says that uh, hate the sin and love the sinner it's theologically pretty sound I, I guess you know um, but it's just this cliche that we try to live by and, and here's what I've learned in my own life when I hate the sin, at the very best, I look down on the sinner. And in my arrogance, I say, look, come on, man. I'm, I'm hating your sin, but I'm trying to love on you, but really? You see, to hate someone else's sin, I'm learning is a bit arrogant. Like, like someone else's sin should break my heart because they're missing the love of God. Someone else's sin should cause in me this, this, this uh, a, a burning compassion that they would know the freedom of God. Like how arrogant to think that I can hate somebody's sin when I myself have my own sin. Like, I should hate my own. I, I'm good with that, man. I, I, I hate the things that, that, that God hates in my life, and I, and I want them out. That's okay. But when I say, oh, I hate that in you, but I love you, no. Nah. We, should, we should have this heart broken for people. The, the, the whole, um, and God really worked that in me, like I shared a couple of weeks ago, when I was in Stop and Shop that morning, and I got angry with what I was hearing over the, the, the intercom, and God went, Really? really you're, you're going to be angry over sin check yourself Dennis check yourself and so sin the sin of others should cause in us this this uprising of prayer of compassion of love to reach out to them to be to be put ourselves in places we'll be ridiculed and laughed at and picked on who cares it's it, it's a compassion that only comes from the spirit of God God is still powerful in the midst of what is taking place in our world. And it's time that we, the church, rise up in light and love and compassion and reach out. And yes, you're going to get poked. You're going to get prodded. You're going to get made fun of. You might get picked on. You might get fired. You might get laughed at. Who cares? Ultimately, God is still in power. No matter what. No matter how bad it looks, he rules. He reigns.
if you think about the church for a minute. I see selfishness in the church because I'm in the church. I see idolatry in the church, the worship of something other than God, meaning, meaning we, we put something um, above God in our life, job, money, bank account, work, whatever it is. I see that in the church. I see, I, see, I see gossip in the church and divisiveness in the church. I see abuse in the church, spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. It's happened in the church. So what makes us so different from them out there? I'll tell you what makes us different. And it's one thing and one thing only. We've been covered with the blood of Jesus. Period. That's it. That's the only difference between us and them, if we want to say us and them. It's the blood of Jesus. That we by faith have said, I got nothing in me. I can't make this right. I can't get myself forgiven. I can't be good enough. Jesus, but for God sending Jesus. That's what we have. And that's what we've been called to give away the blood of Jesus. And so don't hate anything about anyone, but allow the Spirit of God to, to, to build up in you a compassion and, and a brokenness for them that they would know the truth. They would know who Jesus is. Well, Daniel continues on. And in verse 22, as he's praising God, he says this, that God reveals deep and hidden things he knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. Now, deep, hidden darkness, uh, it has some meanings towards that um, God knows things that we don't know. Like there's an unknown unknown. Some of you get that movie, uh, whatever. An unknown unknown, that there's things that we don't know exist, that we don't even know that we should be asking questions that we don't know that they exist, but God knows. See, there is a wisdom in God that, that far stretches anything that we can muster up, that we can come up with. The wisdom of God is, is the stupidity of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. The strength or the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. This is who still is in charge. God reveals things. He knows things. I laugh at people when, when they say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to know everything. No, you're not. That means you would be like God, and you're not like God. So don't think you're, you might know why ticks give Lyme disease and why bees sting. But other than that, don't get too crazy with knowing all the secrets of the universe because it ain't going to happen. God knows those things. And if he feels that he wants to reveal them to us, fine. I believe that we will know what's on the other side of a black hole when God says it's time for them to know what's on the other side of a black hole. Event horizon, here we come. But not until God begins to reveal the deep mysteries of his creation. These are, the, 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 this is the wisdom of God. But there's more to this, um, this idea of God knowing or the wisdom of God of, or, or knowing what is in the darkness. She's going to stop. In Psalm 139, this is where it gets personal. So we have this big, deep mysteries of the things of God. And then the psalmist writes, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my laying down. I are acquainted with all my days. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. This is probably one of the most beautiful, terrifying scripture verses in the entire Bible. God knows the depths of my heart and my soul. He knows what I knows me, knows when I sit down, knows when I stand up.
when God decided to create the earth, he knew me. And when God decided to create the earth and he knew me, he knows me, what the sin was, he knows that he knew that I would hate him at one point of my life, that, that I would just look down on Christ. He knew that going in, and yet he still said, Dennis, I love you. I'm sending Jesus. And he says that over each and every one of us. He says, Betsy, I love you. I'm sending Jesus. Bonnie, I love you. I'm sending Jesus. Ashley, I love you. I'm sending Jesus. The wisdom of God knows all things before all things were even things. This is the God we serve today. He knows what the outcomes of everything is going to be before they even became a thing. But for God, we would perish. And yet he is still all-powerful. And he is still the God of all wisdom. Last but not least, Daniel says this, For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. Our God reveals his thoughts to common people. It's called revelation. Like, like we can get the thoughts of God like he will speak directly to us. He showed Daniel what it was, what the mystery. He showed Daniel what the king's dream was and then gave him the interpretation. Let me tell you, it wasn't an easy dream to interpret. It had to be, you know, the gold head and, and, and bronze chest and funky legs. And, and Daniel knew what was going on. He revealed to him what was taking place in someone in a pagan king. He does that still today. Now, you might ask, well, really? How does God do that today? Well, stay with me. I am prepared to tell you that this morning. Paul writes in Corinthians, So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Well, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, bald one, um, didn't, didn't you just say that God gives us his thoughts, but then how can we know his thoughts if only the Spirit of God knows God's thoughts? I like the critical thinking that's taking place here this morning because in Second Peter it says this, knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that he would reveal to us the thoughts, the desires, and the will of God. We have been given the Holy Spirit that revelation and prophecy still take place today in, in, in our time. This is the truth of who we are as a church. This is the truth of, of why we exist, that we would be able to hear the revelations of God and that we would be able to speak those into the lives of people. Somebody's having a bad day. I'm on. There we go. First Peter. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Okay, so back to, all right, so, uh, yeah. So um, we can't know 
the thoughts of God because only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. But yet we have been given the Spirit to know the thoughts of God, that he would train us up in the ways that we are to go, that he would bring to our remembrance everything that not only Jesus taught, but that we would have revelation. Jesus said it this way. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is telling us, you're going to get the truth, and it's going to come because the Spirit of God, who knows the, the thoughts of God, is going to reveal that to us. This is still taking place today in our church. If we would just give ourselves to the Holy Spirit, if we would allow the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be prayed over us or to, to receive that, that we can know the revelation of God. Paul thought it so important, he said this in Ephesians, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, and he raised him from the dead. That power is still available today. We have the power of God in the context of our culture today. We still have the wisdom of God in the context of our culture today. And we still have the revelation of God in the church today. And that revelation is not just for us, but we are to proclaim the thoughts and the will of God out into this world. See, we can no longer shrink back and be afraid because God is still God. He is still sovereign. He's still omniscient. He's still uh, omnipresence. He, he's just, there's nowhere we can run from him. He's created all things. In, in Colossians, it says that, that Jesus holds everything together. He's the one that, that, the reason why the sun came up this morning, because Jesus said the sun's going to come up this morning. The reason why I was able to take a breath this morning was because Jesus said, I'm going to give Dennis breath this morning. The reason why we got to celebrate 50 years for Earl and Bonnie, uh, their wedding anniversaries, because God said, I'm going to give them 50 years, and maybe he's going to give them 50 more. But God is still all-powerful. God is still all wisdom and all uh, uh, truth, and God is still revealing his thoughts to his church if we would just shut up a minute and listen. I um, kind of like the fact that when, when you change things up on a Sunday, you hear people come in. Yeah, it's the first Sunday of the month. I was like, what communion today? What, what's going on? Tim Brzezinski was all confused because we usually don't have children's church on the first Sunday, which is communion Sunday. And he came in after worship. He goes, is it the first Sunday or the last Sunday? But I thought in my own brain as the Lord directed when we celebrate this table this is the exclamation point how do we know the power of God is still available to the church today because of Jesus how do we know the wisdom of God is still available to the church today because of Jesus how do we know that God still reveals to us? It's because of Jesus. This is, this is the foundation. This is the promise. This is the promise fulfilled. And this is, will be the promises that will be fulfilled in the future. Jesus, the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. His body broken that, that we can know wholeness and healing. Jesus, but for God, we would fail miserably. But for God, I know that the church will rise and shine and stand firm and once again be a voice in, in the world, not just, not just in our own little uh, place, but the kingdom of God is, is, is on the march. It's on the move. It always has been, even in the darkest days of human history. But for God. But for God. So I'm going to ask Ben and, and Jill to come back up, and, um, and we're going to take communion together. As, 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 the, as the assurance of what I've spoken here, the power of God, the wisdom of God, and the revelation of God, that, that this is the, 
This is the promise fulfilled. So come as you're ready, and we'll take the communion together. And then after communion, we'll worship. so good in the midst of turmoil you are still good when your church is pressured you are still in power you are still all wise ever living those who push against you in this day and age, you still love and send Jesus to die for. Don't ever let your church forgive that, forget that. Pour into us a compassion, the brokenness of our world, a love for those who don't know you, and a grace for those who openly body to that cross. You trusted in the power of God. You trusted in the wisdom of God that his plan would succeed. And we eat this in remembrance of your broken body.
Jesus as as you as you were on that cross, bleeding, gasping for air, as they as they were mocking you and laughing at you. You said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Give us that same heart that we would pray that prayer over our country, over our government, over all parts of our lives. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We drink this in remembrance of our forgiveness. A God of power and might. You are a good, good God. free to sit or stand just do whatever you feel comfortable God we're going to sing of your goodness Jesus we're singing of your victory singing of your working in us the way that you've been faithful to us God thank you Jesus for coming to be our Lord, to be our Savior. We love you and thank you for the grace of God that rescues and saves and transforms every part of our life so that we look just like Jesus. Thank you, God. fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am darkest nights you are close like no other know you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God all my life you have been
So, so good Every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God. Eyes up here. Look at me now. The power of God is not greater or less than God's goodness. The wisdom of God is as wise as he is good. The forgiveness of God is as big as his goodness. The goodness of God is the single most missed character, nature, attribute of God. If we can begin to understand his goodness, we will never doubt his power. We will never doubt his wisdom. We will never doubt his revelation because he has our good in his mind. Don't ever forget that. And don't forget that I, too, love you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. You